안녕하세요. 남아공에선 린디라고 합니다. 지금 한국어로 얘기해요. 여러분은 플로인처어를 듣고 있습니다. You guys wrote in and you told me, please, please, please talk to this person on the show. So, okay, here we are talking to each other. And my guest is Lindy Bortis. She Hello. is. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> She's a designer who lives in Johannesburg in South Africa. Grew up as a third culture kid in Islamabad, Paris, Dubai, and Tokyo. Wow. And started learning foreign languages from a young age. When Lindy was in her last year of high school, she didn't want to study for her exams, so her procrastination was to level up her Korean. So I think we will have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Lindy is also well known for her very popular YouTube channel. And Lindy, hello. Greetings, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for the invitation, or to the people who requested me. That is pretty surreal, and it means a lot. <laughs> I think it's lovely to be able to to talk to you. And I've had I've sort of had some forays into YouTube watching or YouTube language watching because that's not naturally my my world. Like I get a lot of recommendations for YouTube channels, and a lot of people ask me to recommend them language YouTubers or language channels, and I'm usually like, easy languages, I've heard that's good. Language transfer, I've heard that's good. But I haven't watched them because I don't really watch language YouTube. So it's been a really fun educational experience for me as well to kind of go around YouTube and see all of the people who are on there who really produce fantastic content. And you're one of them. Thank you. Yeah, we have a really great polyglot community on youtube yeah mm -hmm. so do you guys like talk to each other and you're in touch yes definitely i've got some youtube friends who i haven't met in person but we're super close and we watch each other's videos and sometimes one person will make a tag like a language learning tag which is basically a list of questions and then they will post it and then you will reply with a video answering their questions as well mm-hmm so I, I'll want to get to know you a little bit better. So I want to start off with the question, what was your first foreign language and why do you think it was that one? Hmm. Well, if I had to go way back in time to the dinosaur age, I think it was probably Kosa. I'm not pronouncing that right, um, which is a South African language they speak um, down by Cape Town area in the south. Mm -hmm. So I was born in Pretoria, which is quite an Afrikaans city. Afrikaans is my home language. Uh -huh. And then we moved to Cape Town for a while and I learned a few words there and 
I had the swing on my on our porch and I would greet my swing. I called my swing Yaya. <laughs> and then I'd be like, Molo Yaya, which is like, hello, swing. <laughs> but, oh gosh, I can't even say anything in Kosa now. So I would say to be a little more formal, English doesn't really count because I've always been in English schools, but definitely French and Urdu. Because I started my schooling in Islamabad in Pakistan. So French and Urdu. Mm. So you say English doesn't count because it was it was such a part of your life. But was it part of your home languages too? Um, so my whole family is, is bilingual, but we mostly speak um, Afrikaans at home. But my brothers and I always went to English schools. So I think if someone had to put us in an Afrikaans school, we'd probably fail because we wouldn't be able to do stuff like math in Afrikaans. But so we took Afrikaans as a home language, as, as a school subject. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that you lived in Pakistan. So in terms of Did you did you move around a lot as a kid and with your brothers? Your whole family really just got yeah. replanted in various yeah. different countries? Pretty much every four years, three to four years, we'd move around. So for my dad's job um, in the diplomatic service. So mm -hmm. never really uh, settled somewhere, which makes it hard to answer the question, where are you from? Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Are you proud of this or are you, do you feel unusual? Yeah. No, I think it, it makes me who I am and I've had wonderful, both positive and negative experiences that have shaped me into who I am today. And I'm very blessed that I've had these opportunities because it, it shapes my worldview, helps me understand um, different cultures and interact with people who are not South African. Yeah, definitely. And now you live in, like you say, Johannesburg. What's that? Yes. What's that place like? Do you get a lot of language practice opportunities? Are you satisfied in terms of as much language as you want around you, so to say? Yes, I'm very happy here. So Pretoria is the capital of South. Well, one of the three capitals of South Africa, which means all the embassies are in Pretoria. So that's where I went to university. But I must say, I find Johannesburg to be a lot more international especially the neighborhood I'm living in. Lots of um, Koreans, Chinese, Japanese, and um, um, Indians, a lot of Indians. So, and I've heard quite a lot of French, and I've seen a ton of Singaporeans, of all people. So, Johannesburg is a lot bigger and more international than um, Pretoria. And I was also lucky enough to find a Hungarian academy here of all languages. There's a Hungarian community, so <laughs> I'm loving it here. <laughs> That's amazing. I guess yeah. South Africa, to me, being quite Africa ignorant, you know, I sort of, I could name the big countries. I could sort of tell you, you know, like where Nigeria is and stuff. But really, I am, I'm terribly ignorant of a lot of Southern Hemisphere continents not much more ignorant than i feel an educated woman probably should be <laughs> and south africa though partly because you know it's um you know it has it has a lot of english speaking and it's got the I, i'm more aware of it is it sort of the is it different from the other african countries or is that completely in my head i would say it is different um i mean from a 
general perspective, it is one of the more well-off countries in Africa. Mm -hmm. um, and I think people often have a stereotype that South Africa, more Africa, is full of, you know, animals roaming the streets and we uh, ride a lion to school, which is most definitely not the case. Um, it is, you know, it's well-developed, it has good economy, but we do still um, have issues, you know, with crime and... You know, the police not really doing their job, but there's no country without fault, you know. Um, I would say linguistically, we have 11 official languages and 12 if you count um, South African Sign Language. Wow. Yeah, but, but then again, a lot of African countries do have tons of languages and dialects, um, but I'm not sure how many of them are officially recognized by government, though. South Africa in a way, to me, I'm beginning to get this image where it really plays a big part in your language learning story and it influenced how you learn languages. Now, I was going to ask you, do you feel like you, in terms of how you learn languages, are different from, from others? But now, having heard your, your whole story of having grown up in all these different places and gotten in touch with all these different languages and being such an unusual, being in such an unusual family history, how could you not feel different from others, I guess? I wouldn't say my language learning approach or the way I learn languages is, is different per se. Um, but I, I would say that in terms of how languages are taught in South Africa at school and how I've been taught them at international schools overseas is very, very different. And the emphasis and the importance that is placed on languages is not um, so big here. There were some talks that um, Mandarin Chinese should be a compulsory or rather an introduced subject at South African high schools, but I don't think anything came of that. And we really don't have a wide variety of languages we can choose here. So I think South Africans are not exposed to as many foreign languages as people maybe living overseas or going to international schools might be, mm. especially because our choices are very limited. It's either French or German as a foreign language. And then you have to take English and another South African language. So either Afrikaans or Sutu or Zulu, depending on which area you live in. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, this, that's an interesting perspective. Very, very interesting to say. I don't think South Africans are expected to learn a lot because I live in the UK, you know, where, <laughs> <laughs> where basically, you, you know, people, people need a lot of coaxing to, to pick up French <laughs> many times. I see. And like, it, does, it I, does exist, most certainly. But, you know, even growing yeah. up in Germany is very different to, mm -hmm. to living in England. I have a, f a friend who just finished um, high school a few years ago in, in the UK, and she took Japanese at high school. And to me, that's amazing. There, I don't think there's a single school in South Africa that teaches Japanese as a subject. So mm. that's what I meant by, I think you have more choice. <laughs> Whether you want to do it or not, you have a wider variety. That might be true. That might be true. It, it also depends very much on the school. And I think the... the mm. I think it's just got to be said that class and money comes into it, certainly in the school system here mm. in the UK, where you, you know, if, you, if you're in a well-funded school where there's a lot of attention paid to the, the quality of your education, you can go quite far. But when you, look at the, when you look at the numbers of students, say, who put in for 
just even a GCSE exam, you know, sort of the I am 16 years old kind of exam or the A-level, which is the I am 18 years old kind of exam, um, the numbers are, in, to my mind, they're quite disheartening. And it, I, I don't know. I believe they should just teach everybody Spanish because Spanish is so easy when you're an English speaker. <laughs> but I digress. So now, obviously, you're not in education anymore. You are working full time. You've also got Yay, your... no yeah. more exams. <laughs> it sounds like you're quite recently working full time. Yeah, it's been a year and a half. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. Well, congratulations, though, on like, you know, landing the job still. <laughs> and you, you obviously have your YouTube channel going on. I presume you've got a social life as well and other things to sort out. So you are in an early 20s language yeah. learner how does that look you know how much time do you spend in a week on languages what do you care about in terms of you know getting done or what makes you feel successful mm. and mm. sort of what's what's a lindy week a lindy week <laughs> well i'm not sure how social i am outside of the internet um I, I love my colleagues. I'd say they are my closest friends because um, most of my friends live overseas, actually. You know, the people I grew up with. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I digress. So I obviously, yes, I work from Mondays to Fridays. And then usually after work, I tutor languages, either in person or on Skype. So that takes quite a lot of my time. But I, I really love um, sharing the languages I'm learning. And apart from tutoring, I do, like you said, spend a lot of time on my YouTube and my Instagram. And what I think you asked what makes me feel successful, I would say it's definitely the community and the ability to be able to interact with people um, outside of, you know, my own language and also to connect with fellow polyglots and language learners. And I think the beauty of social media is that we can meet people who share our interests where we might not be able to do so in um, real life, I say. So I might not have many language learner friends or people interested in languages at all here in Johannesburg, but on the internet, I have a whole community of people living all around the world who I can communicate with, which is super exciting. Mm -hmm. And in terms of what I kind of do with language learning in a week, it really depends on my mood. So I go through these little phases of languages I'm interested in, and I'll go all out. So last November, up until about January this year, it was Hungarian everything. Uh, Hungarian music, Hungarian movies, started a Hungarian studygram on Instagram, and it was just fully focused on Hungarian. But right now, I am. I just signed up to take the Nihongo no Ryokushiken, which is the Japanese language um, proficiency test mm -hmm. wow. in, de in December. So um, I've never taken a standardized exam before, except for the DELF. <laughs> so, and that was many years ago. So I'm a little nervous. So from now until December, I plan to completely focus on Japanese and immerse myself in Japanese again. So types of languages I learn differs from week to week or month to month. And now that I have a goal in mind, like this exam, I would set up a language learning schedule um, to more effectively study. But if I don't have a test or something coming up, it's really just what I feel like. And I think 
majority of my studying comes from passive studying and not active studying because of my work timetable. I don't have time to work through chapters of a textbook or I'm just too tired after work. So a lot of it is just passive. I would listen to podcasts or um, songs in the language while I'm working. I would read a book in a different language before bed. And throughout the day, I would chat to my friends in different languages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that sounds yeah. pretty active to me. But you're right, it's, it's more... <laughs> It's more input in a way than output, which I, yeah. having, having worked so long in languages and focused on the, the self teaching area for so long. And really anybody who chooses to learn a language as an adult, it seems to be a very, very common theme. So I see this a lot that, you know, you get a lot of input because it's easy these days to get the input and you, you know, you just produce a little later. Which mm, which is very more, different. Which is very different it, to the, um, say, the method some people put out as a method, but it's really just a different situation, and and is actually your language developing different skills first. Which is that oh, just go to the country, or you know, the the sort of immigrant method, where you you will produce and understand quite early on, but you don't really have the academic stru structural study down quite as much because you just don't need it as much mm, that's right yeah mm. so it's it's studying what you need really that's right yeah and what you can make time for and be you know be up for and it's like a lot of people consider language learning as a you know a race to succeed but depending on what your goals are and why you're learning the language, if you're enjoying just, you know, learning a few words from TV shows here and there, by all means, you don't need a textbook. Yeah. And you get to make your own success rules, really. Yeah. Now, I want to learn a lot more about, well, YouTube and, and social media and this whole idea. And I've got, I've got some interesting questions coming up for you. Before I dive all the way into those, I want to say thank you to our sponsor and our sponsor i wonder if you've heard of them this week thank you so much for supporting the fluent show once again our sponsor is close master and close master is an app designed to bring you the clothes exercise in your pocket i couldn't have made that sound more exciting <laughs> <laughs> so what close master does essentially is give you a choice of 50 I think the last time I checked, it was 50 languages. They're all natural input. And it shows you sentences of all levels. And I've really, I've been completely out of my depth in Welsh. And then I've been, I've had the next sentence. I thought, oh yeah, that's for babies. You know, I can do that in my sleep. So you kind of get this real variety. And I'm quite enjoying that you never know what's next. So there's a challenge. Clothesmaster is a very fun act. It's addictive and it's free to use. And the close exercise, if you've never heard of it, basically means there's a sentence, there's a gap, and you've got to fill the gap. Lindy, have you close mastered before in your life? I have close mastered. I actually have the app on my phone right now. I'm a big fan. Me too. It's great. It's it's so nice when you're just like sitting in transit and instead of just checking your messages, you practice a language. Exactly. And what languages have you got on it? I did Hungarian and Afrikaans. <laughs> I wanted to score some extra points, so I did my own home language. <laughs> and I think I brushed up my French and I did Korean on it as well. 
Wow. Nice. Nice choices there. Nice choices. <laughs> I've got French too, and I'm doing French from Spanish. Or maybe it was oh, Spanish from French. Or I, don't, I can't remember. <laughs> so last week I took a Spanish lesson and found that I actually speak Spanish, which I had almost forgotten. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can, I can have a conversation in Spanish uh, without scaring somebody off for, for an hour. <laughs> Although she was a tutor, she did get paid, but still it was a functioning conversation. That's so I, fantastic. I know. So I'm, I'm kind of in, encouraged to do more Spanish, but sometimes you don't want to neglect. I'm waiting for the learn Spanish from Welsh feature. Oh, and when what you learn, a combination. What, what a combination. Well, it would, it would be useful probably for me and nobody else, and that's why they're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like I said, Close Master, fantastic. And if you are a listener and you've never used this app before and you don't quite know what to expect, you can now also watch a video that I, I made, a very quick walkthrough, and you can see this at Close Master, that's close with a Z, closemaster.com slash show where my video awaits you and a voucher code too. It's free to use, but if you ever wanted to upgrade, that discount's there waiting for you to make good use of it. So that's closemaster.com slash show, and you can use the app on iOS, on Android, or simply on your browser. Lindy Buertis. That is me. You've taught me that so well. <laughs> <laughs> you say it well, that's good. I, I actually saw an article about me um, in a, someone's Korean blog today, and they mm-hmm. they made my name Lindy Botu. So in Korea, I'm Botu. Botu. That sounds cute. It should be Botesu, but I'll take what I can get. <laughs> it's fun when you see your name in other languages, isn't it? Hmm. Is it fun or weird? <laughs> <laughs> I... I'm, I haven't had an experience with, I don't think I've had any experience with my name in, say, something like a Hansi or a, any other, an Asian mm. writing system, because those are not my languages. But I used to travel a lot to Russia and Kazakhstan, which means you have to send your passport off to get visas. And the visas came oh. back in Cyrillic. So I used to I used to see my name, it was like Kirstin, and my last name used to be Hamas. So it, yes. gets, it gets the X, the thing that looks like an S, X, you know. Which is like a chamius. <laughs> and I it's just it. the best. That's wonderful. Wow. Oh, it's so fun. So I, I really enjoy seeing my name in other languages. But as long as I can read it, perhaps. <laughs> Your surname right now would be very cute in Japanese. Keburu. Oh, how does that sound? <laughs> Keburu. 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 Ke- <laughs> ke- Oh, I like that. <laughs> I don't even know what it would be. I have to ask my Russian friend how in Russian you'd you'd say it. I haven't thought about this. This is this is fa- this is fascinating. <laughs> so YouTube. Anyway, <laughs> what is for you as a successful YouTube influencer, blogger, and vlog maker, or whatever you are called, you you kids on the YouTubes? What is the best thing about having your YouTube channel? Definitely for me, the community around it. It's it's not... Well, now I must be careful what I say about people who have blogs because they've got their own form of a community. Um, I would say it's as much input as it is output in the sense that if I um, put out a video, the, the comments I get 
really helped to form this community. And I've met so many people through YouTube, some who I've actually met in person. And just by uh, uploading a video about what you think about something, people will immediately comment and give you their own opinions, and sometimes in the form of a video response. And I just love the community that grows around that. And also just the visual aspect of it. Um, you know, as a, I guess, a visual person, a creative person, a designer, um, I'm very obviously stimulated by what I see rather than what I hear or read per se. And it's really fascinating for me to look at other people's videos about their language learning notebooks and their textbooks and there's this thing we do, uh, bookshelf tours. I love those. So just the visual aspect of being able to to show a language visually is wonderful for me. That's fascinating. And when I, you know, this reminds me when I started Fluent, fluentlanguage.co.uk, at first I, I wanted to tutor. That was my main thing. And we we went out, we took pictures and something I really insisted on right at the start in terms of my visuals. And I, I, I'm generally not a visual, visually that skilled person. So I work with designers to make anything designy because I suck at it. But one thing I knew was I didn't want to communicate language learning and the concept of language learning through a lot of flags. Mm. And because I don't know, to me, that's just, that's just beside the point. It's about communication. It's about joy. And to mm -hmm. me, it's kind of about the books. Like that's where the fun is. It's yeah. about the education. So it's funny to, to hear, you know, that you like the visuals as well. And it, it is, you know, the real value, the real interesting stuff comes in the notes and comes yeah. in the books. Definitely. And uh, flags are actually such a sensitive topic. On mm -hmm. my um, polyglot video, I used flags just to indicate the language you know, visually. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten such a backlash from people, especially with the American flag. So I learned American English at school and I spell like an American. Mm -hmm. um, but I've gotten so many British people saying, why on earth would you put the American flag there? But the whole English part of my video, I am talking about American English. And also, um, when I speak Mandarin Chinese, I put the Taiwanese flag because I'm learning traditional um, Chinese characters, which they use in Taiwan. And the whole Chinese part is me talking about Taiwan and wanting to go to Taiwan. For me, it wouldn't make sense to put the uh, Chinese flag there because I'm talking about Taiwan. Uh, so it's, it's definitely a very sensitive topic and I have to be careful as well when I use flags because it can so easily start online arguments. Mm. And do you, this is something I come at from the perspective, I guess, of someone who hasn't grown up with, well, the internet was sort of became a part of my life roughly around the age of 18. I recently did an episode where I talked about how I learned English. And one of the things that really stood out to me was until for, for probably the first eight years, I didn't really talk to anybody native. Mm. I didn't really even hear anybody who was all that great beyond like my English teacher or maybe, you know, other kids in school or kids a year above. But I, I don't know. It didn't hurt at all. And that's not something these days, no blogger would recommend that ever. And it's actually impossible to 
learn a language and be so isolated from how and where it's really spoken in the world of the internet or you, you kind of wouldn't want that either but for me there's a real benefit that I drew from it when I look back on it now I'm thinking well I never felt like I wasn't doing well because how would I have known mm, you know yeah. I, was, I was always doing awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I mean, what what could come in 30 years from now? What kind of technologies or, I mean, will books be phased out completely? Will we be speaking to robots who speak all the languages in the world? I mean, <laughs> at that time, you didn't know the internet would be able to do this. So what do we know about 30, 40 years from now? Yeah, well, I thought maybe it might be able to do it. But, you know, I thought it would be so expensive because you didn't have data flat rates or anything like that you paid for kind of half an hour of dial-up and it went <laughs> and, then you, and downloading an episode of Buffy would from the uh, from soul seek la 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 <laughs> you know like from like a sharing file sharing before file sharing became yes. illegal and horrible like yes. downloading uh your bands you like a new album from your favorite band took about like I, I would set that download off at 10 o'clock at night and then hope it would be ready at seven in the morning. And then I would see that on my phone bill and I'd have paid eight times as much as I paid in a shop sometimes. Oh and my goodness. It's just, you know, like technology has come so far. So I'm thinking mm. about all of this, you know, like YouTube, but also it's not just you have an opinion because you compare yourself suddenly, but also as a YouTuber, the world kind of has an opinion about you. It has an opinion about every aspect of what you do, which leads Absolutely. me, not at all that I'm going to lead you on to a specific answer, but, but my next question is actually, what is the worst thing about having a YouTube channel? Definitely the comment section <laughs> um, and the dislike button. <laughs> I don't actually mind for the dislikes, but... I've gotten some pretty harsh comments, mm -hmm. but the strange thing is how contrasting they can be from like the one person could say something completely horrible and the other person will say something super positive. So I've learned to grow a thick skin. Um, it doesn't really phase me anymore. And um, I would say that, yeah, it's just how people find the silliest things to comment on that actually have nothing to do with um, the topic of the video. So I recently, well, recently in January, I cut my hair short and one person commented and said, you look like my younger brother and I can't watch your videos anymore now because of your hair. <laughs> and I mean, that has nothing to do with languages and the community I'm trying to build and promote here. So I've just learned to ignore those, but that would probably be the worst. Mm -hmm. The comments section and... Does it contribute to a sense of perfectionism, of sort of in a crippling, in a bad way? Mm. It took quite a long time to sort of desensitize myself to the negative comments and realize that the, the people who are really here for the language content will stay and their comments are the ones that matter. The comments that where people tell their own stories and share about their language learning experiences. Those are the people for whom I'm making these videos. So I've learned to just ignore the negative comments. I wouldn't say it's changed in me in the sense that I'm trying to be perfect in my videos, not at all. 
something I want to emphasize is authenticity. And it's so easy to pretend to be something you're not when you're behind a camera. And, you know, uh, you could practice the same sentence over and over and pretend you're fluent when you really aren't. But um, I, I do try and be completely authentic and honest in my videos because that's what people come for. They're not going to come for something perfect and fake. So if I just stay myself, I believe that that's authentic and that is why people might want to return. Mm, that's wise words. Wise words there, Lindy. <laughs> and I just watched your latest video in which you speak Korean. And mm. to me, knowing Annyeong Haseo and Amsanida, and that's pretty much it. Yes. Which is very good. I'm very proud of myself. But you, you know, to someone un uninitiated, you completely blow me away. That's, that's fascinating to, to, to watch. And in a way, perhaps that's more, that there's something specific to the appeal of YouTube where to watch somebody mm -hmm. else really doing that, it feels magical. It feels real. And the, the visual dimension really adds to it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot different from just writing a blog post in the language, you know. Being and I've gotten quite a few comments where people say, if I close my eyes, you would come across as a native Korean. So there's definitely that visual aspect to it that I think may intrigue some people. And mm -hmm. and I find the same when I watch um non-native speakers speaking a different language. And I just sit there and watch their video with my mouth open. Mm -hmm. And does it ever make you feel Does it make you feel encouraged? Like, yes, I can do this. Or does it ever make you feel, gosh, that's the standard. I I can't reach that. For me, encouraged, definitely. Mm -hmm. And it's so heartwarming when I get a comment from someone else saying, wow, you've just inspired me to start learning so-and-so. Or if you can do it, I can do it, which is absolutely true. And I think that's what's great about YouTube as well, is if if the person who's making the video is really radiating positivity and giving wonderful tips and being sort of friendly and honest about it, then it's wonderful. But if the person is just there bragging um, and not really offering something to the community, if they're just taking and not giving, mm -hmm. then I don't think I'd be encouraged or I wouldn't feel warm towards this person. Whereas if you're trying to start a conversation uh, um, about language learning, then it's definitely more encouraging um, because this person feels more real. It's not like they're hiding behind a mask. Mm, this concept of bragging is interesting to me because I don't come across mm. I don't come across this in, in you know in reading other people's blogs. I'd be very surprised if someone goes to the trouble of writing a you know eight hundred word article, <laughs> bigging themselves up. I've not seen it. I've not seen really that. Yeah. And th so. And I've not really come across it I really on Twitter either. And what do you mm. what makes you feel like someone isn't being authentic or you know, sort of I don't know, what's what's with the bragging? <laughs> I would say it is when people only do something um for the name or for views. And, you know, people would call themselves hyper polygots and then their video is them recording themselves Uh, saying a sentence that they've memorized and when you try and speak to them in that language they can't speak it at all um, which is kind of why I added a little disclaimer in my polyglot video I spoke the language I'm 
languages I'm confident in first. And then I said, the next part is the languages I'm still learning and I'm still a beginner in. So I'm by no means fluent. But somebody might title their video and say, Polygot speaks 15 languages. And then the last five languages, they're just counting or saying the days of the week. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say that would be bragging, but that would definitely not be authentic for me. Mm -hmm. And that type of list performance is very common. Again, mm -hmm. you can't imagine mm -hmm. it in a blog article. Like I would never write a blog article or imagine somebody writing an article going, Here's me writing in 15 languages. <laughs> I'm a polyglot. It's somehow, yeah. it seems to be so unique to YouTube. And I'm just wondering what, Definitely. why? What is it about YouTube? Maybe it's the views. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what do we say? Clickbait. Yeah, people just want people to click and watch the videos. So if you have an appealing title, like, look at me speaking 30 languages, even though you only speak 10, of course, people are going to click on it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's also a lot faster to con consume. We're moving towards um, media, like just being in videos. If you just look at how Instagram has changed over the past few years, that videos have almost become either equally or more popular than um, photos. And it's just a lot faster and easier for people to watch a video of someone speaking however many languages instead of reading a whole article where they, you know, type in those languages. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, you know, subtitles. If you write a blog post in 10 languages, people might only understand a few of them. Whereas if you record a video, you can just add subtitles and it's accessible to everyone. Oh, I forgot. You asked me what else I like about YouTube. And I said community. Mm -hmm. Part of that is this wonderful feature YouTube has where you can submit um, translations of uh, the video in the form of subtitles. So I have had people translate my videos into Greek, um, Spanish, Turkish, Afrikaans, Italian, uh, Korean. I can't think of the others now, but it's, it's, it's your viewers who would then watch your video in whatever language you've made it. And they would write subtitles in their native language. And that just makes it more accessible to a wider audience. And it's, it's really forming that community because people's names get featured if they contribute subtitles. It's a wonderful project. Mm. So listeners, yeah. if you haven't done that yet, then that's a great way. And if you're, if you're a fan of Lindy, Lindy's YouTube channel, then please, you know, go ahead and do that for her because it does sound like a really, really great idea. And on that note, I, I have often mentioned, like I've got listeners to send me an intro to the show in, in their target language. And I'm, I'm getting the same feeling. It's just so cool to, to hear from you guys, but also to hear you. And, and it just makes me, I don't know, makes me very happy. There's lots of things that my listeners can do that I am completely incapable of linguistically. <laughs> That's for yeah. sure. And I just love finding that out and seeing that. That's the best. Yeah. So, Lindy, what is next for you? What's sort of coming in maybe on your YouTube or on your, in your life, really? Because you're not a full-time mm. language blogger. Uh, what is sort of next for you in the next, let's say, six months? What's 2018 got in store for you? Yeah, so I've started writing an ebook. Nice. Don't want to say that too loud because I don't know how long it will take. <laughs> but I thought um, I get so many of the same questions from people 
that I've had to start making FAQs on my Tumblr and my website. And I thought, well, if I just expand a little on the FAQs, I could probably write an ebook with, you know, the questions I get asked the most. So that's in store for some time in the future. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I will take the Japanese exam at the end of this year, mm-hmm. um, which I'm quite nervous for and which will take a lot of preparation. So what I like about that is I have a solid goal to work towards. So definitely that. But for the time being, I absolutely love my job in design and I don't plan on giving up design for full-time languages anytime soon, but I will be continuing tutoring part-time. Fabulous. Fabulous. I'm so excited for, you know, for all you're doing for your ebook. So nice to kind of see, you know, is it weird for me to say, see younger people coming along? But, you know, it's, it's not younger people. But I remember when I first got into language learning on the internet, when I first started looking around the internet, Mm -hmm. there really was, um, you know benny lewis was was already there and was was doing a fantastic job with fluent in three months and was still very much a a full-time traveler and then maybe there was there were a few other people i must admit i didn't look for very long before i decided to just throw my own opinions around but the world of language learning online and what people can learn about it and what how you can find somebody who looks like you, talks like you, studies like you, represents you in some way, really has come a long way. We have we have a bigger, bigger range of diversity, and I hope that that's just really coming. And in that sense, it's nice to, like, you guys aren't, a, you know, like you guys, YouTubers, I mean, <laughs> YouTubers in the in your early 20s. You're not a new generation or anything like that. I don't think that's that's way over overstating it. But it's just so cool to see more impulses from new people doing new things, who have a whole fresh approach to language learning, not necessarily different, because I think in the principles of how it's done, you and I, if we sat down, would totally agree with each other on most things, Mm. even without, you know, I guess this conversation wasn't really about that, because we'd just be agreeing with each other. So guys, just listen to our podcast and watch our videos. And if you find any occasion where Lindy and I completely differ, let us know. But I think we wouldn't, because we, we both have done the well, hard work and positivity works kind of thing. Mm. Having said that, to see a whole fresh take of talking about it and presenting it, to me, it's just, it's a tonic, it's awesome. And I want to say thanks for that. Yeah, I think that it's the medium that, that makes it different. And what I love seeing these days is the bunch of new people who are joining the Studygram or the Languagegram community on Instagram, the Polyglot community on Instagram. And there's so many new people who, and the community is so welcoming. Um, you know, they'd made make a post and tag their favorite language learning Instagrams and they'd say, hi, I'm new here. Here's a picture of my notes. Um, I'd love to communicate with you guys. And just seeing these new people join the community from what they've seen, you know, if they follow accounts like that, they decide, well, let me do a study account too. It's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I love about the internet is both the permanence and the newness when it comes to language learning. So by permanence, I mean, 
I was actually going through some resources today for the Japanese exam, and the one website I stumbled across was started in 1997 by this guy. The website looks like it's from the 90s, really hideous, but it has so much content and resources, and that's been around for years. This guy was creating long vocabulary lists and、um, grammar structures, and I mean, that's the permanence. Like, you can. Regardless of how old you are or which generation you're from, you can use that resource that's been there forever.、Mm-hmm. But then also the newness. So, a lot of people are learning languages through YouTube now. So, the example I'll use is、um, Talk to Me in Korean.、Uh, it's a company and they have a YouTube channel and they teach Korean. And they upload videos very regularly. And I think people were so hasty and excited to consume new content that when Somebody like Talk to Me in Korean uploads a new video, you're super excited to watch it, and then you're also learning a new language at the same time. And there's always, you're always expecting something new. But then again, with that expectancy, it also puts a lot of pressure on the creators to keep pushing out new language content. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what makes it, for, for some, that's what makes it a, a functioning business, right? You need the attention, you need、mm. people to be, to be interested in it. But it can, like I said, especially if you do this as a hobby and you kind of feel like, look, guys, I've got a life to live.、Uh, I feel like sometimes the, the pressure can be intense. And I'm glad, like you, I'm glad for the Instagram community because I feel Instagram, for some reason, hopefully through things Facebook has learned by, by account of being Facebook, Instagram. Still has a level of civility that sometimes on YouTube you just don't see displayed. Absolutely. Maybe because it's on your phone. phone. It's more personal. Yes, I think so. And I think um, on, on um, I guess on Instagram, people are less likely to have, you know, hiding behind fake accounts. Whereas on YouTube or Reddit, for example, You can just make up any username and it can get more harsh and impersonal.、Mm-hmm. Whereas Instagram, it's so photo based and it's so personal. I think people are less likely to be negative or pushy. Yeah. Plus, there's a, there's, a very large, there's a very large proportion of users who come from this sort of gamer community where you are, you are on APC. And I think you're also. You're not as sensitive and maybe not as touchy feely as somebody who is sharing a personal feed of personal pictures. You're just in a different mind frame and maybe a little bit more detached. So, particularly in Reddit, I think there's, there's just that very large community of people who use their screens in lots of different ways. And I think it does make you、mm. interact differently. Not that I have read any research about it, but I would like to. If you're an academic and you write about this, my God, get in touch because that sounds amazing. Mm. So, I think we're coming to the end of our podcast. Lindy, thank you so much for being on the show. I could talk to you for ages, and I'm very privileged that I get to do that, probably. <laughs> But this is. And,、uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it was wonderful to talk to you as well. You're such a, like a solid foundation and inspiration for, for the language learning community as well. So, it's an honor for me to talk to you as well. Thank you. That's, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad people listen. I'm glad people you know, read. I'm glad people watch the eight YouTube videos that I have. So 
anything <laughs> it's nice to contribute it's really nice to contribute to the community and to you know yeah like i said still be here is good so we are awesome and we are going to say goodbye and you probably know how this whole signing off thing works i say goodbye and my guest says goodbye and then we're out so it's goodbye from me goodbye and it is goodbye from lindy toodles bye bye <laughs> no one's ever said toodles before i love it <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. Don't forget that you can send us your comments and questions to be answered on the show to Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you. We read every message. Don't forget to review us. See you next week.